Exodus chapter 17, verse number 7 says, And he called the name of the place Massah, or Massa, and Meribah, because of the children, uh, the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? Amen. There we go. Is that better? Psalm 22, uh, verse number 1, the book of Psalm, uh, Psalm number 22, verse 1. The Bible says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not and in the night season, and am not silent. Um, if you read those words, you probably recognize the first part of that verse because it's something that Jesus spoke on the cross right uh, uh, before he passed away. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, quoting this uh, messianic prophecy, showing everyone there that day that he was, in fact, the one uh, who was referred to in Psalm chapter 22. Uh, but today, just for a few minutes, I want to share with you what the Lord has uh, placed on my heart, and I want you to open your heart to receive from the Word. How many want to hear something or receive something from the Word of the Lord today, like you're ready to receive something in the next few minutes? And uh, the title today is The Greatest Temptation. <clears throat> the Greatest Temptation. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence and your power and your anointing. Thank you, Jesus, for all the blessings that you've provided to us and most of all, Lord God, the blessing of salvation, hope of eternal life, and uh, not having to carry the guilt and shame of our past failures, but being able to bring them to you and leave them there, Lord God. <clears throat> Thank you for your atonement on the cross. Thank you for the hope that we live in today because of what you've done for us. Uh, we're so grateful for your presence that we feel in this house, uh, your strength and your encouragement that's with us. And we give you praise for everything that you do in Jesus' name. One more time, let's just give him a big praise. Somebody lift your voice up and praise the Lord right now. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, during our life studies the last couple of weeks in uh, the uh, life groups, we've been focusing on, in the Garden of Eden, the temptation of Adam and Eve by the serpent and uh, the tree that was in the garden. Now, temptation is a big deal, and all of us have to deal uh, with temptation in our life. The story of Adam and Eve, we see that uh, uh, when the fruit was presented by the serpent, Eve had been told not to partake of that tree, but the uh, Bible says that as Eve was observing and listening, observing the tree, listening to the serpent, she saw that the fruit was good to eat and that it was desirable, it would make one wise, and ultimately uh, Satan tempted her saying, you would become like God if you would partake of this fruit. Now, in our lives, we're not struggling with fruit, to, uh, the temptation to eat fruit off of a tree, but we deal with similar temptations in our lives. But today, what I want to focus on is this question. The question is, what is the greatest temptation we will face? What is the greatest temptation that we will face? 
And I know for the last couple of days, the greatest temptation I've faced was in uh, an orange sphere, pumpkin-shaped thing, uh, where all of my daughter's Halloween candy was, the um, Reese's peanut butter cups and the Kit Kat bars and the little tiny Snickers fun size, uh, fun size bars. I mean, I don't know why they call it. It's not fun. It's too little. I mean, it'd be fun if it was bigger. But uh, that, that's a great, a great temptation. And then in the next uh, few weeks and months, we'll face the temptation of all the Christmas baking and all the Christmas treats that are there. But when we look at temptation, there are temptations that have greater degrees of problems if you fall prey to those temptations. The Bible speaks of the lust of the flesh and uh, how that many people struggle or suffer because they succumb to sexual drive and the temptation that's associated with the lust of the flesh. Uh, There are also uh, great temptations when it comes to money and resources. Uh, Oftentimes, because of the love of money being the root of all evil, people are tempted to steal or to cheat or to be crooked with their uh, money and with resources. Also, there is a temptation in all of us in our flesh uh, to have success, to be recognized and to be treated fairly. And uh, so because we have that desire, we are tempted oftentimes to lose our temper or tempted to mistreat one another and uh, when you look in in scripture in first john chapter two sixteen, it says all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world you see essentially here three categories of temptation in the world uh, first of all the lust of the flesh that means your instinctive passions to satisfy your uh, innate cravings for uh, food and for uh, sexual pleasure. And then the lust of the eyes, that would be the desire for uh, things, things that catch your attention, beautiful possessions, materials, and things. Uh, And this is a part of the world as well. And then the pride of life, which is uh, that desire and lust and passion to be recognized, celebrated, accepted, uh, and uh, not mistreated. All of these things uh, are a part of our world's uh, 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 kind of coming together with the enemy to tempt human beings. And uh, one thing that we've discovered in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 about Jesus, the Bible says, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So we understand that this thing called temptation that we all face in our lives in one form or another is not something that Jesus is unaware of. But in his experience on the earth, he was tempted in all points, not just partially, but in all points, he was tempted like we are yet without sin. The point being, he understands the temptation. He understands the trial. He understands the test. He understands the appeal of what we deal with in our flesh. Everybody got that right now. And the Bible says that Jesus uh, was led into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and prayer. And during that time, the Bible teaches us that he was tempted by Satan. Jesus was tempted as well. First of all, he was tempted to turn the stones into bread because he was hungry. Everybody say he was hungry. 
It had been a long time since he ate. I know for some of you, if it's been uh, 12 hours since you ate, you'll do anything to satisfy that desire of your flesh. Uh, this is the lust of the flesh, the desire to satisfy the appetites, your carnal fleshly appetites. Uh, and at that point, Satan tempted Jesus with the lust of the flesh, uh, saying, turn the stones into bread and satisfy your hunger. And of course, Jesus rebuffed the temptation of the enemy, stating that uh, uh, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And then a little bit later, Satan tempted him by taking him up to a high place and saying, look, this is all the kingdoms of the world, and uh, I will give them to you if you will worship me. And so it was a temptation, uh, the uh, lust of the eye. You can have everything material. You can have everything in this world. It can belong to you if you want it. So Jesus experienced to a great degree right there the lust of the eye. And then finally, the enemy said, hey, throw yourself down uh, from a high place uh, and in the midst of the people, then stand up and rise up and show everyone right then and there who you are. Reveal your position. Reveal your power. Reveal who it is that you are. And during this time when uh, Jesus uh, had not eaten, he was tempted by the pride of life uh, to be recognized uh, and, and, and put in the right position and seen for who he was. So I want you to notice that throughout the Bible, you see that the human being is tempted in these three areas, the lust of the flesh, uh, uh, the lust of the eye for stuff and material things, uh, and the pride of life. Uh, and all are very real and very present temptations as long as you're living in the flesh. Somebody say amen. Amen. So the question is, which is the greatest? Which is the greatest temptation? Uh, maybe it's different for everybody. Maybe one person, the temptation of the lust of the flesh is, is the greatest. But when I say the greatest temptation, I'm not necessarily talking about for sure the most powerful or uh, the, uh, uh, the one that desires the most attention or the most frequent. But when I talk about the greatest temptation, I'm talking about the temptation that if you fall prey to it has the greatest negative impact on your life. Now, now some people through the lust of the flesh find themselves... Uh, unhealthy because they indulge their appetites. That's a slow judgment, but it does creep in. Some people through the lust of the flesh find themselves in marital problems, uh, heartbreak, uh, distrust, and uh, uh, lack of honor of family members and friends and so forth. Uh, th th these are all possible things, and, and it becomes worse when the temptation is a temptation for us to actually break the law of God and to... Uh, um, uh, do something that God has taught us against uh, in his word. But, but I want to share with you what I believe uh, in, in prayer this week that the Lord laid on my heart is the greatest temptation that has the greatest potential negative impact and the one that we need to recognize and understand if we want to be overcomers. So, so to bring you to there, I want to take you to Hebrews chapter number three. Hebrews chapter number three is a passage of scripture that talks about when God's people were tempted in the wilderness and where God's patience was tried. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, for, uh, for we, I'm sorry, verse 14, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. 
while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it." And so this passage of scripture is talking about where the children of Israel tested and tried God while they were being tested in the wilderness. They were in a season uh, in the wilderness wandering where they were tested. Everybody understand that the wilderness represents testing. They were in a time where they went a long season of time without having promises fulfilled. They were in a place where it was dry, where they got thirsty where they experienced fatigue and pain in their body. A lot of the things associated with the wilderness uh, is a part of the testing that they had to go through. But more importantly, it became increasingly unlikely that they were going to receive the promise of God of a promised land where they could enter into a place of rest uh, and live in houses that they didn't build and eat from crops uh, that they did not plant. And it's so sad, the story goes, that many of them were left dead in the wilderness and fell short of the opportunity of entering into the promised land. Now, all of that is an Old Testament uh, uh, allegory. It's a true story, but it has a parallel to where we are today as New Testament believers. And the word of God written to New Testament believers is this. uh, Watch out because the same thing that got them could get you. And if it gets you, you could miss out on God's promises and God fulfilling everything that he wants to do for you and you being able to enter into the rest that he has for you. So when we're talking about this greatest temptation, the impact is huge. There are a lot of temptations that can trip you up and send you down the wrong path and and cause a lot of cleanup on aisle nine if you mess up. But this is one temptation that can keep you from falling short of everything that God has planned for you. And so I want to focus on that provocation as we look at our text, Exodus chapter 17 and verse 7. The Bible says where they were at the rock, where the water gushed forth, he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? They were asking this question. They were saying, is God? God with us or is he not with us we've been through some things we haven't seen his provision in a while we've been dry and thirsty we've been going through a wilderness we've been struggling and now I have a question is God with us or not the Bible as we said in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 14 this is the main main verse here At the beginning of the reading we just did in in Hebrews 3, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. I look at different translations. The NIV says this, We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold 
our original conviction firmly to the very end. The New Living Translation says this, For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we shall share in all that belongs to Christ. I want to tell you today what I believe is the greatest temptation and the thing that we need to understand as human beings. The greatest temptation as I look at this passage is we are tempted when we go through testing, when we go through the wilderness, we are tempted to lose confidence in God, to lose the conviction and the trust that God is with us, that he's ultimately in control, that he's working things together for our good. Because when we look around and we see the evidence, we begin to wonder, is God really there? Is God really concerned? Are things going to turn around? Is he really fighting for us? And during the wilderness temptation, this is what got God upset and frustrated and caused the Hebrew people to fail in their test because they fell prey to the ultimate temptation or the greatest temptation and that is to lose grip on your conviction that God is real, that he loves you, that he's concerned about you, that he's with you, <clears throat> that he's fighting for you, amen, that, that, that he is there because they said... <laughs> said God was tested, God was tempted because right in the middle of all of his blessing, when they had to go through a test, they immediately said, is God actually with us or not? See, I'm telling you, this is a very real thing. This is a very, very, this is not a theoretical thing. This is a real thing. Because when we go through tests in our life, when we go through seasons where we're challenged, uh, you've asked God for a job, and instead of getting a better job, your pay goes down. You know what I'm talking about. And you're like, well, man, if God was here, if God was real, I prayed, I asked, it didn't happen. Maybe you're going through a test. Are you with me right now? And, and you don't see God when you're going through a test. When you're going through a trial. Somebody said it this way, and I like it. They said, while you're taking a test, the teacher is quiet. You don't hear the teacher while you're taking a test. Uh, afterwards, you're going to hear the teacher. Before, you'll hear the teacher. But during the test, you see no evidence of the teacher. He's not speaking during the test. Uh, and in our lives, <coughs> we go through tests and we go through trials. And the greatest temptation is that when you don't see God and when you don't see evidence of God and when your prayers aren't being answered the way that you hope they would be answered, in that time of testing, it's very easy to suddenly lose confidence or lose grip of the rope in believing that God is real. So what is this temptation? The temptation is when you're in the wilderness, when you don't see the answers, when you don't see a resolution, the temptation is to let go of the rope. It's a very real temptation for the children of Israel. Time had passed. There was no progress. There was nothing that would show them that they were moving closer to the promise. In the past, they had seen many miracles. There was lots of evidence of God's hand and concern for them. They had manna every day. God delivered them through the plagues. God opened up the Red Sea miraculously and delivered them from Pharaoh's armies. But it had been a long time ago. And they found themselves in a wilderness season, a time of testing, where they were thirsty, where they were hungry, where they were frustrated, and where they were talking about stoning Moses. It was a tough time. And in verse chapter 3, verse... 
8 of Hebrews, it says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Their hearts got hardened during the time of testing, and they were tempted to wonder if God was with them or not. Amen. So it's time for real talk, brothers and sisters. We're, some of you may be going through testing in your life. And at the beginning of the year, as we preached and taught about possessing God's promises, you thought you were on the brink of moving into the promised land. But for many of you, you find yourself still waiting, still in the wilderness, still eating dust, still with your throat feeling dry, still feeling fatigued and wondering, where is the encouragement? Where is the refreshing coming from? Is God really still in charge Is there a God? Is he actually working on our behalf as individuals? And sometimes even corporately, we may find ourselves in a wilderness. Amen? When I explain to people about the last five, six years of our church's experience, uh, they say, well, you're in a wilderness season, uh, a time of of wandering. Uh, It it almost seems like a literal parallel as we've gone from uh, place to place and God has provided for us uh, but it hasn't been the promises. It hasn't been uh, the fulfillment of the promises. It's just provision. Everybody with me right now. It's man every day. It's taking care of the needs. But here, uh, it, it gets frustrating. Amen? It get, we get cranky when we're in the wilderness. Uh, we get, we get, we get uh, uh, impatient when we're in the wilderness. We get thirsty. We get tired of what we're having to eat every week when we're in the wilderness. And during a wilderness season, the greatest temptation is during that test. And the temptation is to begin to wonder, is God actually with us or not? Are you with me right now? Is God actually fighting for us or not? Is there really a God that's even concerned about us or does it even matter? This is the result of the season of wilderness, the result in your life of a season of testing to wonder if God even knows your address. Does he even know my name? I've prayed prayers before, but I don't see any evidence that he is around. And the greatest temptation is to assume that God is not there when you don't see evidence of his handiwork because you let go of the rope. You let go of that firm conviction that says I may be going through a challenge. I may be going through a difficulty. I may not understand what I'm going through, but I know that he's with me. I know that he's by my side. I know that he's fighting for me. I know that it's going to ultimately be his will fulfilled in my life in the end. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 6 verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon, said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Gideon said, hey, if God is here, why are we going through this? If God is with us, why am I going through this in my family? If God be with us, why are my kids doing this? 
If God is with me, why are my finances a mess? If God is with, with me, why do I see this opposition and I don't see any pushback? He said, the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites and the Amalekites. I'm talking about human beings here, real people. When you go through a season of testing, when the enemy has, has a, 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 a season of time where he can wreak havoc in your life, while you're in the midst of the, uh, the, that, that testing in your life, the greatest temptation is to begin to assume that God is not with you that he's forsaken you that he's walked away that he's turned his back on you or for many people it begins to foster questions of is this real is my faith real or is this a fantasy promoted by church leaders an age-old fantasy is this real come on we're, we're talking real talk right now when you prayed for a healing and your body gets more sick and you're wondering, is this, is this real? Is God with us? Is God for real? The greatest temptation, I'm telling you, that can have the greatest impact on your life going forward is that in the season of testing, you begin to let go of the rope. You begin to lose faith, and you don't know if God is there or not. I know y'all looking at me like, I don't know who you're talking to, but I'm talking to all of us right now. Because when you go through the storm and when you go through the test, you will find yourself facing this temptation. You say, well, not me. Yeah, you. Jesus faced it. How about you? Are you better than the Lord? You're going to face that temptation. You need to know that this is the greatest temptation and it's coming your way. But in the midst of it, can you hold fast to the confidence that you had before the storm began? When you saw the evidence of God's handiwork, when you saw him part in the Red Sea, come on now, when you saw him opening doors for you, when he, you saw him deliver you from the hand of the enemy and the oppression of Satan, that confidence that you had, that grip that you had, can you through the season of testing hold fast or will you fall prey to the temptation to let go of the rope because you don't know if God is with you when you see no evidence as a human being you're going to be tempted to say where is God is there a God where is he at this is I believe the greatest temptation greater than the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life is the temptation during the test to let go of the rope the greatest temptation is to let go of that firm belief that God is real and he's in charge. And what happens? During the season when you let go of the rope, what happens? Oftentimes you become angry. When you finally let go of the rope, God, I trusted you. God, I, I put my hope in you. I was faithful. I went to church. I served. I was faithful in my finances. I paid tithes and I gave. And Lord, why am I having to face this? And that anger can turn to bitterness. And I'm going to just tell you right now, you open the door to sin in your life. And you begin to find yourself medicating your pain. And you find yourself being tripped up by other temptations. Are you with me right now? Why? Why? Because you let go of the rope. So some of you need to just like grit your teeth and hold on right now. Because the storm winds are blowing. Because it's dry, it's dusty, and there doesn't seem a resolution coming. And the best thing you can do is say, Lord, you're with me. And I believe you got a plan and a purpose. And though he slay me, yet will I trust 
trust him, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. I'll say, blessed be the name of the Lord because God is here. God's real. He's with me. I don't see evidence right now. And all of my flesh is telling me that he's not real. But I refuse to fall to the temptation, the greatest temptation, to believe that God's rejected me and left me alone and doesn't care about me and is not concerned about me. I want to tell you that God's eye is upon you. Amen. The teacher never watches you any closer than when you're taking the test. Amen. And the teacher is watching. The Lord has his eye upon you. You can't hear him. You don't see evidence of him. But I want to challenge and encourage somebody today that God is. Nudge your neighbor right now and tell him God is with you. God is with us. God hasn't forsaken you. God hasn't left you alone. Don't listen to that temptation. Don't fall prey to that greatest temptation. God is with you. Somebody praise him right now. Amen. Two weeks ago, we preached about the original avenger. And the Bible says God will avenge them speedily. And then he says, nevertheless, will he find faith on the earth? That means the, uh, the idea that God is keeping score and God's going to even the score. Can you believe that? That's, that's the greatest test of your faith right now. Do you believe that God is keeping score? I imagine Job's faith faith was tested when he lost all that he lost. He was wondering whether God was with him or not. But I want to tell you that God will avenge speedily. You've got to hold firm. And the Bible says, if you, in in Hebrews uh, uh, 3.14, if you will hold firm, you will share in all that belongs to Christ. You will share in everything that God has planned if you can hold on in the storm. Now, uh, I want to close by talking about my favorite subject, and that is my Savior, the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ was tempted in the wilderness. What is the greatest temptation that he faced? It was not the temptation to satisfy the lust of the flesh with bread, and it wasn't um, the potential earthly gain that was available to him if he would fall prey to temptation uh, of all the stuff and materialism. It wasn't that passion for materialism. Uh, and, and recognition of who he was. But Jesus' greatest temptation wasn't in the wilderness. Jesus' greatest temptation was on the cross. On the cross. Because he was in the will of God. Jesus was in the will of God. One thing you've got to understand about Jesus is he was God-man. He was God, the creator of all things, but he was a human being, also born in Bethlehem. 30, in his early 30s. He was a man and he was God. This is the main thing that makes Jesus different from anything or anybody that's ever been. Jesus was God and he was man. So he was tempted in all points like as we are because he was a real man who was really born and really had flesh and really had desires to uh, uh, the, the, the types of lusts and, and drives and temptations that we face, the desire and temptation to have nice stuff, the desire and uh, the temptation to be respected and honored. All of that was part of him because Jesus had flesh. Everybody say Jesus had flesh. Jesus had flesh. And so all of these temptations uh, uh, that we talked about in the wilderness would have appealed to his flesh. Uh, But while he was in the will of God and declared to the Lord, declared to God, not my will as a man, but thy will be done. And uh, he was in the will of God. He was, God was 
close to the man, Christ Jesus, throughout the experience of the cross. But I want to tell you right now that it's hard to feel like you're in the will of God when your close friend betrays you. it's, It's hard to feel like God is there when all of your supporters disappear and start denying you. We got to think about this in a real situation. He's a real person and he's experiencing this. How would you feel if all you go through your toughest time in life and all your supporters and friends that you've poured into walk away and deny you? It's hard to feel like God's with you when you experience that in your emotions. Are you with me right now? When you feel that type of emotional pain, it's hard to feel like God is there when you're mocked by everyone. And everyone who's standing around you is making fun and mocking you. It's hard to feel like God is there. Are you with me right now? It's hard to feel like God is there when you're in extreme pain and you're in extreme stress in your body. It's hard to feel like God is there when you're stripped naked in front of a crowd and you can't even cover yourself. It's hard to feel like God is there when you experience this type of persecution and this type of testing. It's hard to feel like God is there when your own body is broken. It's hard to feel like God is there when your flesh is being laid open and emotionally and physically and all the way around, you are pushed right to the brink of your ability to even survive. It's hard to feel like God's there. It's easy to feel like God's there when you're open and blind eyes. It's easy to feel like God's there when you're teaching and multitudes come to listen. It's easy to feel like God is there when you say, peace be still and the storm stops blowing. But it's hard to feel like God is there when everybody's walking away from you and all of you and you're ashamed in front of the crowd and you're experiencing pain and persecution it's hard to feel like God is there it's hard to believe that you're in the will of God man it's easy to believe you're in the will of God when you see fruit and you see progress and you see interest and people are patting you on the back and and you're being celebrated. We all like that, don't we? Oh, not me. Yeah, we all like it. Come on, we're people, right? When, when our bank account's full and when our kids are doing well at school and teachers give a good report and, and uh, when uh, God opens a door for us to do ministry that makes a difference and there, it's just fruitful season. It's a season of blessing. It's a season of favor. It, it feels good and it's easy. It's easy to believe that God is with you. But Jesus' greatest temptation, amen, Jesus' greatest temptation is when he went through a season when it was hard to feel like God was there because all of the circumstances that were carnal around him was indicating that nobody's fighting for you. You have no backup in the spirit realm. You're on your own, buddy. This is just you. It's hard to believe that God is there. And when Jesus was there on the cross at the culmination of all of his pain and suffering, at the culmination right at the point of death, he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want to tell you that Jesus was tempted in all points like as you are. But the greatest temptation is when every circumstance around him told him that God had turned his back on him and he cried out expressing the emotion in his spirit to let you and I know that there are times in our life when we're going to say it looks like God has forsaken me it looks like God has walked away where is God and the greatest temptation at that point is to let go of the rope 
I want to tell you that this was not Jesus' low point. My God, this was not the low point of his ministry. This was the most painful point. This was the most devastating point. But it was not the low point. Because with every whip that came across his back, redemption's nectar was flowing down. And the hope that was in him for all of the world was being released through the breaking of the hands of the Roman soldiers. And as the, the, the nails and spikes went into his hands and his feet, and when he suffered the pain and the rejection, what was flowing out of him was the only thing that had redemptive power. You could not be bought back from the enemy with gold or silver. The only thing that had the power to redeem you was the blood of the lamb. And the blood was not available until the body was broken, until Jesus was crucified, until he came to the end of his flesh when his flesh was devastated and done away with then God's purpose could flow out of him I want somebody to know today that when you go through the trial when you go through the testing when you find yourself wondering is God there it's the very time when everything that God put in you is about to be released oh come on somebody praise the Lord right now God is on the throne Come on, somebody praise him right now. God is with you. God's working right now, even right now. Somebody praise him right now. Somebody praise him right now. The Bible teaches that we are crucified with Christ. That lets me know that there are seasons when my flesh experiences something emotionally similar to the cross. Thankfully, I thank God that I likely and you likely won't experience crucifixion itself, but we experience those seasons where we wonder if God has left us. And in that moment of brokenness, in that moment of suffering, when our flesh is broken and killed we cry out in that moment where are you God Gideon said it where's God where is God that's what the children of Israel said at Mariba where is God where is he I remember where he was two years ago I remember where he was when I was born again I remember where he was when he healed my marriage I remember, I remember where he was when he healed my baby. I remember, I remember where he was that time when I didn't have enough money to pay my school bill and then money appeared in my account. I remember, I remember where he was when he brought me through that trial, but where is he right now? Why am I in a season where I wonder where God is right now? You know why? Because there's light in you and it's time to break the vessel. We preach this a few It's time for the vessel to be broken so that the light can shine. And can we in that season, li listen to this. This is just dropped into my spirit right now. At the, uh-oh, I'm out of time. The moment of your greatest temptation in life will come right before the moment of the greatest release of ministry in your life. And the greatest temptation is the temptation to let go of the rope and say, where's God? 
I have no more confidence that God is with me. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, some of you have those feelings and those thoughts. All of us. That's not the guilty moment. Because Jesus had them too. Amen? Gideon had them too, and God used him. The reality is, we have got to, even when these emotions come and these feelings come and these thoughts come, the Bible says if we will hold on to the confidence that we had at the beginning, then we will be partakers of everything that Christ has access to. If we can hold fast to it. In Jesus' name right now, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. God wants to minister to somebody in this place right now. The enemy's a liar, and I know how he's attacking some of your families. I know how he's attacking your faith. I know how he's coming against you. And, I, and his objective right now is to get you to let go of the rope. Some of you can feel it sliding through your fingers right now, but I want you to hold on right now. The Spirit of the Lord sent me to tell you today, if you can just hold on a little bit longer, hold on through this season, God will get glory out of the breaking. God will get something profitable out of the challenges. Your ministry is going to flow through the the brokenness of of this season of your life right now but don't fall prey to the greatest temptation the greatest temptation amen the greatest temptation is to assume that God isn't there that God doesn't care and that God has forgotten about you the Bible says we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end for if we are faithful to the end trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed we will share in all that belongs to Christ so I'm encouraging us as we stand to our feet right now I'm encouraging those of you that are here right now that everything that is arrayed against you everything that makes you feel like you're in a wilderness season and there is no hope let me tell you God is there are you with me right now God is there he's ordering your steps he has not forsaken you he has not walked away he has not turned it it may feel like it just like Jesus flesh felt like it on the cross but he's there hallelujah hallelujah I feel his presence here right now God wants to assure somebody and affirm through his word right now that he's with you Hallelujah. I want you to reach over and pray for that person next to you right now because the Holy Ghost is getting ready to flow. There's an anointing that's going to destroy yokes and give hope in this place right now. Spirit of the living God, I pray for each home represented here. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the devourer and what he's sought to accomplish in the lives of people. Lord, we know that you're here. God, we know that you're there. We may not feel it, There may be no physical evidence right now, Lord Jesus. We may find ourselves in a test, the greatest test of our life. We may find our flesh being ground. We may find our pride being ground down. Everything that we live to protect is being destroyed. But Jesus, we believe right now that in the midst of this test, in the midst of the wilderness, that you are with us. Somebody speak a word of faith right now over that person. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. 
liar. The tempter is a liar. He is a liar. God has not forgotten your address. God has not forgotten what you're going through. He has not forgotten, amen, every promise that he made to you. He has not forgotten that everything that the devil took from you, the Lord will restore, amen, that the Lord will restore after the temptation, after the testing, and after the trial, after the wilderness. You will, somebody listen right now, you will eat grapes from vineyards that you did not plant. You will move into houses that you did not build. You will see the promises of God fulfilled. You may be just surviving right now. You may just have day-to-day provision right now. But God said when you come out on the other side, you're going to come out bigger and better and stronger than you ever were before and a greater threat to the enemy than you ever were before. Hallelujah. There is power in suffering. And Lord, that I might know you. Lord, that I might know you. Amen. Lord, that I might know you in the fellowship of your suffering. I'm going to speak a word of prophecy right now to somebody. You you were laying in your bed this week. It was during the day you were laying in your bed. And you begin to entertain thoughts as to whether it really matters. Whether God cares, whether you're going to make it through or not. And then you found yourself carrying a heavy load the rest of the week in your emotions and in your spirit you found yourself carrying a heavy load. I'm going to tell you right now that that load can take you bad places, but it's time to release it right now. It's time to release what you've carried. Some of you carried it for a couple days here right now. Carried a heaviness in your emotions because of what you've been going through and the questions of whether or not God cares or whether or not God's there. I want you to release it. Just do like this. Just do release it right now. In the name of the Lord, I release that because God, your, your, your word is true. Let God's word be true and every man a liar right now. In the name of Jesus, every person who said anything different, let it be a lie in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That person you're praying with right now, here's what we want to do. We're going to take a few minutes to pray for one another in this house. This is what the church is for. The Bible says we bear one another's burdens. We, we bear one another. Sometimes we actually do it in a physical sense. We help people out when they're going through challenge. And if they're, if they're going through difficulty, we provide and we encourage one another and help one another. But the greatest way we can bear one another's burdens is through prayer. That's why the Bible says we are to pray for one another. And I want to tell you right now, somebody, there may be somebody here, and you, this, this, uh, uh, this message is out of season for you because you're in a season where you're uh, experiencing God's blessings. Maybe you came through a challenge like that, but now you're strong and you're in a position where you feel hopeful. Well, guess what? You're here to bear somebody's burden. God's going to enable you to release something in the realm of the Spirit because you're operating in faith right now, and God can impart from you to them. In Jesus' name, listen right now. God can impart from you to them the word of faith and a spirit of, of, of expectation and fresh hope. So in just a moment, we're going to come forward, and we're going to pray for one another. Is that okay? This is what the church is designed to do. We're going to pray for one another. So as they begin to take us into this song right now, I want you to step out of where you are and come up to the front with your brothers and sisters. These are the ones that are going, we're going to help each other and we need each other. And right in this season, God's going to work in this place. Amen. In Jesus' name. Come on, step out of where you are and begin to gather up around the front here. And we're going to pray for each other.
Praise God. Come on, let's move in up close to the front here so there's plenty of space for everyone to gather in here right now. In Jesus' name. God. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray specifically for one another right now. Uh, Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat. That means that he can put you through a season of testing. And then he says, but I have prayed for you. Jesus said, I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. He didn't say I'm praying that the sifting season will be short. He didn't say, I'm praying that the sifting season will be easy. He says, I'm praying for you that your faith will fail not. So specifically, we're going to turn to one another. We're going to begin to pray just like Jesus prayed for Peter and say, God, give them a fresh baptism of faith. Uh, Their faith's being tested by the storm. The structure's being tested. But God, I pray for them that their faith uh, would make it through the challenge. Can you turn to that person right now and begin to pray for them right now? Lord, I'm praying for my brother or my sister right now, Jesus, uh, that their faith would stand through the storm, through the challenge, through the turmoil, through the difficulty, through the questions, through the dry season, through the wilderness season. God, I'm praying that their faith would not fail. In Jesus' name, that they'll hold on, that they'll get a grasp on that confidence that they had in you, Jesus. Give them that grasp of that confidence, Lord. Let their faith, Lord Jesus, through this time of testing, through this dry season, Lord God, if they're going through it, I pray. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. My heart will sing your praise again. You're still here. 